0: If people didn't have the guts to be different, it would be very boring and other people would not be inspired. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast.
1: You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Well, hello everyone. It's Bernadette back with another episode of She Renovates, and today I have a quite an interesting guest. Just to fill you in on the backstory, over the last few weeks I've been writing a list of 100 goals that I want to achieve. Mm-hmm in the rest of my life. Some of them have been really small things related to the business and some are quite big. One of the goals that I wrote down in my little goals book was that I wanted to interview a block contestant. And I did that over the weekend on Monday, which was Australia Day. We went out with a few friends onto the harbour. We have a friend sailed down from Queensland and she's moored at Rose Bay. And so we went out to just to waft around on the water for Australia Day. Because Jo, who's the sailor, is recovering from quite a badly broken wrist, she needs to bring in crew when she wants to take the boat out because she's not well enough to be able to sail it alone at this stage so, two couples stepped on board, and one of the couples included our next guest, and that's Chantelle Ford who was the winner of The Block in 2014. It just amazes me, the power of intention. I write it down and then she appears in my life. To cap it off, she is the most delightful person. She's the loveliest woman. And the reason that I've asked her to join us is because there's a lot of curiosity around the block in particular, because it just seems so unbelievable. Like we all know that it's not reality, but I really wanted to ask her, do you really do a room in a week? And seriously, I was blown away by the response. And so she's shared really generously. But what comes out of this interview is the fact that she's applied some of the key principles that we apply in our renovating and how that really paid off for her. So she didn't go with the crowd and how they approached their projects. She was much more strategic and it paid off. So I'm not going to go on any more about it, but I want to introduce you to Chantelle Ford now. So thank you for coming on to the podcast, Chantelle, as I mentioned to you before, it was one of my goals to interview a block contestant and pretty much the next day we crossed paths. And I thought we might talk about, firstly, if you could just give us a little bit of background. So what you do now, where you live or our listener gets a bit of an understanding of who you are.
0: Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I think it's wonderful that you're really putting what you want out there because it really is quite amazing what you can create for yourself. I found a number of notebooks with really old notes of just writing down what I want, what I have. And it does. You realize it comes into your life. So that's really good. Yeah, um, we're on. So right, we're you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely, we're definitely supposed to meet. Yeah, so I guess where I am at now, pre-block, I was in Melbourne five years ago. I believe the block might've been seven years ago. I had a business before I I went onto the block called Ford Millinery, and I've kept that business going and I've come back to that. So after being on the block and winning the block, I went straight back into my business, my hats and accessories business and moved up to Sydney about four years ago. And yeah, I'm running Ford Millinery up here and it's it's been a huge journey, I'd say, which sounds super cheesy and you hear that word a lot, journey, but it, it really is. Life has really just been going where life takes me, but where I've chosen it goes with what it offers.
1: Beautiful. Look, I'm glad you've seen the light and come the right side of the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I can say because I grew up in Victoria, I actually lived a lot of my life in Melbourne and we have a daughter that lives down there and I'm forever trying to convince her to come back to Sydney, but it's never going to happen.
0: No, (laughs) I love both. I genuinely love both. I, I didn't really understand that massive divide when I was in Melbourne and having absolutely no intention to move to Sydney. I didn't understand. Some people are really one or the other, but I see in more detail now how different the two states are, and the two cities in particular, and I think they've both got something really lovely to
1: offer. They do. I have to say, I do have a bit of a soft spot for Melbourne too. (laughs) Now, what I want to do is explore your experience of The Block, because lots of our community avid followers, and I have known quite a few people to put in applications for The Block, like some every single year. A lot of crazy people.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: that's great. (laughs) I've had people say to me, why don't you? I said, no, career suicide. I'm not doing it. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) You were one of the crazy people. Why did you do it?
0: I, for starters, was super naive in terms of exactly what it would entail. But I had a characteristic back then that I still have now, which is really trying to squeeze the most out of life and the most out of myself. I really wanted to challenge myself. I love design and it's in my blood. It really doesn't matter what that is at all. I see the world with quite a creative and I'm curious about things. I'm a go-getter. I'm not afraid to to dive in and get my hands dirty. So I guess that's what it was about. I wanted to challenge myself and really put my design skills to the test or and really explore, to be honest. But back then when I applied, I really think that the reality TV landscape has changed a lot in that time. I think the following year after us may have been the last one that might have been along the same lines. I feel like reality TV really took a turn. I'm not saying we caused the turn, but after we were on, I feel like reality TV became more of a I want fame side of things. And I I guess that was not something I expected at all in terms of the media side. Yeah, so that's why I went on back then. And I really didn't realise how little, little I knew about renovating until I was right in the, not just the deep end, there was no pool, I was drowning in the ocean. Not drowning, no, pedalling really hard. (laughs) Your
1: partner went too, at the time? Yes.
0: Yep, that's right. My partner at the time, Steve, so yeah, we threw ourselves in. And look, I was a milliner back then. So a fashion designer, a small business owner. Steve was and still is a chimney sweep. He has his own chimney sweep business. So a chimney sweep and a milliner going on an interior design and renovation challenge was, yeah,
1: was a challenge. <laughs> Should cut to the chase. And for anyone that doesn't know, Chantelle and Steve actually won the block that year. So that is epic. For someone who has no background in renovating, I really take my hat off to you because... Thank you. You not only survived, but you absolutely came out on top.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's it actually was huge for us. I think back then the storyline was definitely, oh, I don't think they had expected and potentially wanted us to win. I don't think it was part of the storyline. It was definitely a turn... But we always knew that we had a chance and that we went about it very differently and i actually forgot about this my dad uh reminded me of this a couple of weeks ago he said he, he rang me and he said it wasn't it amazing that when you first went on your first the first thing you did was contact a local real estate agent whereas what everybody else did was get their real estate agent at the very end of the process to sell their their house and really just as a salesperson we before we had created anything we chose our real estate team and we had them to come in and say what's going on in the area what are people looking for what do they spend money on this is what we think so Steve and I went into it with a bit of a different mindset we went in with our business mindsets we did the market research first and then filled we wanted to know the brief from the audience as in the buyer, not the TV audience, and then create to that brief, rather than just do what we think and then try to shove what we like down someone else's throat. So that's how we went about it. And I think um, that really paid off for us in the end because what the, the audience wanted is what we had created for them.
1: Chantel, Chantal, that is brilliant because one of the steps in our process, in our training, is to research your real estate agent when you're researching the area not to wait until you've got the property and involve that person in your project meetings and use their contact with your market all the way along the process to help inform decisions. I'm just so impressed that you (laughs) thought to do that. I think that really would have had a very, a big impact on your results because that's what it's about. It's about knowing your market and being able to produce a product that would appeal to them. Absolutely
0: that's my mindset with business in general and any any problem solving i think a problem is fine and once you understand what the problem is or what the the challenge is then you can come up with a solution and then you can get creative with it before the creativity there needs to be a function there needs to be a problem that's solved when we knew that we were in the running to be on the block and we knew where it was being filmed and where we would be building if we were successful in getting on We went to that area, we actually live nearby, we go to coffee shops and we'd watch, we'd look at the people, we'd look at what age group they are, we'd look at what they're wearing, we'd look at how they interact with with each other, what kind of personality, we didn't have a spreadsheet open and really (laughs) formulate. We wanted to pay attention and observe what they are. For me as a creative, I, I could see the type of buyer, they were very confident in their design, quite quirky, and they weren't wearing, what might be considered cool they definitely had their own creative edge what they were wearing was often very expensive but it might be teamed with something very relaxed and not expensive and there was definitely a quirk that's also what we wanted to inject which is great because that really complements my personal design taste as well it wasn't too difficult to make that step and deliver in those terms either
1: so you really dropped into your sweet spot
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: That's a really good place to be when you're renovating. And I've got a couple who, Debbie and Avi, who renovate in the Eastern Suburbs and they absolutely know their market because they do, most projects, they do about a quarter of a million in profit because they absolutely know their market. And, and yep. it, that's it's such a powerful thing.
0: That's amazing
1: something i'm really curious about how much of the background and the feasibility is there any feasibility done on those projects do you get given any sort of data around the project the properties themselves
0: not at all you get nothing for us it was the it was a building site Our series of the block was the first series that was a build. Previously, it was all about a renovation. So for us, there were no floors, there were no ceilings, there was no plumbing. There was nothing except for an exterior of the building and not even a roof. Uh, We had to build four stories from literally nothing. The entrance was boarded up with board and we were handed a, a drill to say, there you go, that's how you get in. If you don't know how to use that, you better go home. And it just started. We were told, right, this is the first room you're doing. Off you go. That's it. We were given some, I'll say, I was going to say dumbed down. I can't really think of another simplified version of a floor plan that was really early on, but it didn't have all the detail, which caused some problems. Actually, I still to this day believe it was a deliberate little sabotage. We were given the wrong floor plans. But i picked up on it i'm like no that's not there that's not there something's not right but yeah answering your question we're not really given anything we're not given any trades we need to organize that all ourselves when we do something wrong that is not going to be up to scratch we're told but we're not told before we make that mistake at all so you might go to an effort of you might lay your screen and it, it maybe someone mysteriously overnight walks on it and then you, you find out later that you're going to have to do it again because it's, or somebody takes to it with a crowbar and you've got to rip it up and do it again. Yeah, but not really given any guidance.
1: I know I've already asked you this, but I think a lot of people will want to know, do you really have to deliver a room in a week?
0: so many people i've spoken to outright do not believe that is the case and in my view it's worse or shorter period of time and more rooms so how it works is for us anyway when we were on you're starting on monday morning and you're presenting the room or rooms sunday morning so you actually don't get sunday Um, it's sunday morning is tools down that's it so really you've only got six days and then in addition, another one of those days, you're off site doing a challenge. We had to build a table or we had to create a light fixture or build a scarecrow for a nearby school. So you're actually losing another day on site. On that day, your trade is allowed to be on site, still working, but that's another day you're missing from actually being able to project manage because if you're not on site, things can go wrong and you have to then fix them and you still need to do all the shopping. So essentially, it's five days where you can be on site working to deliver. And in one case, it was our master bedroom week. It was very late because we were having to build floor by floor. The bottom floor was uh, the communal area, then it was the entry sort of area, then the upstairs area, and then the, the rooftop terrace. It was that third, third uh, the last room on that third floor, we had to deliver a master bedroom with a walk-in robe, a walk-through robe, which is huge. That's cabinetry. You have to have the cabinetry. It's impossible to even think about an ensuite. So a wet area with no plumbing, no waterproofing or anything, all started from scratch. There's no floor at that point. You're still needing to build the floors, install the plumbing, do the waterproofing, shop for your tiles. And everybody knows how long cabinetry takes. Curtains, you're having to do your curtains building everything, painting, shopping. The fourth space was a really long hallway. So four spaces, master, walk-in robe, a wet area of an ensuite and a huge hallway in five or six days, build to styled. And that is real. That takes a huge toll on your body and your mind. And you're just nothing by the end of that, (laughs) just completely nothing.
1: Did you have enough trades? Like how much of that were you having to do yourself?
0: so it varied all of the shopping was us obviously all of the decisions in the design of okay where are we going to put a wall and i got really good at the end of it i've forgotten a lot of that now but in not having to take out a tape measure just using i learned that my step plus a little bit more is one meter so i'd mark things out a seat needed to allow 450 the doorways this and that but in terms of assistance, we have a builder that we can say, look, this is what we're thinking. This is where we want to do it. And they obviously can put, give their input. And then we've got chippies on board. Once we've got the plan, they can manage them. But then it depended really how much we wanted to do. I, I wanted to be quite hands-on and we weren't willing, winning any challenges at first. So with the challenge back then, we'd get 10 grand extra. So everybody else had all this extra money we didn't have to spend on trades yeah. so we're on a shoestring budget so i wanted to um get in you know and do as much as i possibly could so one of our rooms i was on the tools building a parquetry wall which i wouldn't have even dreamed of making it a non-complicated basic simple wall before that so it just sometimes you're really hands-on and other times you've got your trade that are building things it really depended week by week
1: wow i am wondering how you managed to design when you were feeling so spent
0: yeah that's a really good question because i think the creative process ideally can have space and time and no stress and that's definitely not what we had there it's funny you asking these questions because i i actually have forgotten a lot of how i felt about things then that was actually probably one of the hardest things back then in terms of coming from a creative professional going into a space where there was no time to change your mind or really evolve the plan or the design. And that was hard because you'd get judged and problems would happen. What you had designed might not be able to happen because what somebody promised they could get to you in time, they couldn't. You can't present something without a table or a bed or a wall or a tile. You had to find a solution that didn't fit with your design plan and therefore, is not actually what you personally love, or you could see that there might be, if you had all the space and time in the world, I might say, oh gosh, like I really, I don't like that, but I have to go with it. We're going with it because there is no option and there needs to be tiles on the wall. Yeah. That was difficult. That was difficult. Before all those problems would unfold and you had to change the plan, we learned to make decisions quite quickly about the design and then also stop wasting time doubting it you just have to choose something and go and back yourself and go for it sometimes that wouldn't work out and sometimes it would but it's when you waste your time questioning yourself that causes more problems for you so it, it was definitely difficult but then sometimes things would just come together and in that room that i was telling you about the master bedroom walk in on sweet hall that week we came second by half a point and Shana Blaze was brought to tears when she was in our ensuite. She just said, they've just come so far. And off camera, the executive producer, the creator of the show came in and said, like, wow, wow. And that felt so amazing, that whole how close we were to winning that and really what that meant. Points don't mean anything at auction. What it meant, we had created an amazing space. And I guess to get us to that point, I was just way more confident in my decision saying, no, we are. Everyone was like, no, that's too dark. The wall color, you can't paint them it's like a charcoal navy. And I'm like, no, we are. They're going to be charcoal walls. And I'm going to offset it with like pastel pink curtains. And everyone's like, you're crazy. This is so ugly. And I'm like, no, and stuck to it and it. Yeah. So backing yourself is really important, especially when there's no time.
1: There's some really late great lessons coming out of this, Chantelle, because even though when you're renovating, not under pressure, I think a lot of women in particular do tend to second guess ourselves and- Totally. Uh, yeah, and it's one of the things that as a renovator, you might have the luxury of a bit more time, but you do need to be able to make decisions quickly and stick with them.
0: Absolutely. One of my friends has been slowly renovating and and she actually said that of herself she said i don't know can you help me choose i don't know i I just second guess myself and i said listen you put together a killer outfit you get dressed in the morning you don't need someone to hold your hand tell you what looks good for you it's your own choice and it's the same thing it's actually the same thing and i think somewhere some somehow we, we think that someone else is the expert and there's a right or wrong way with creativity. It's not true. Look, some people aren't creative. So in that case, it's like some people are tone deaf. Okay, listen, maybe you can't be taught. Some people don't have that. But if you've gone into renovating because you love it and something excites you about it, there's a good chance you probably do have a design eye, in which case no one else has, there's no right or wrong. No one else has that answer. They might have some advice and you can weigh that up. But at the end of the day, going with what you love is actually so wonderful. And it's actually okay to push boundaries. I found that even with my headwear, that's why my headwear, my label Ford Millinery, is quite popular. I don't just design vanilla because it's safe and that's what is, I've got a style. And when I have the confidence to really back myself on that and say, no, I don't even know why I love it. I I just love it and run with it.
1: Yeah, That goes well. Oh, look, I I absolutely agree. And it it does take a bit of time to get there. I was doing a reno with David, who's our son uh, in Bondi, and he decided to go for this hand-pressed sage green tile in the bathroom, and he decided to do all walls in it. We both thought, okay, so that might be a bit out there, but then decided to go for it. And that's the thing that anyone who looked at that apartment loved. awesome so great so sometimes you
0: can just be a bit too sensible yeah absolutely and then everything looks the same and look it it could be a smart business move because again you have to work for the brief and if someone's genuinely not going to choose anything other than white or beige okay if that's what's going to sell But you can do something interesting with textures or still if something just clicks with you it's probably for a reason and it's good to go down that path and i know this sounds really this is extreme but when you think of amazing artists who excite you even I was in Tassie recently and went to Mona and I just thought oh my gosh this is this is really out there it's not vanilla but look at all the variety of their audience they're so varied there's kids there there's older couples there's families there's Quite eccentric people. It's such a mix, and everyone, they just look like children. They were so excited exploring this strange space. And I thought, my goodness, if people didn't have the guts to be different, it would be very boring, and other people would not be inspired. So sometimes something out there can actually be not vanilla. It's like vanilla with sprinkles. People
1: will love it widely. That's an awesome expression vanilla with sprinkles. I think that's what. (laughs) So in our job because we're we are selling to a broad market that's really what we need to do so the last reno i did was white and the reason i did that was because of the market in that building yeah uh, i just put a curve on the bench and put oh some beautiful white, totally transformed the, the property because the first photo you have in realestate.com is that kitchen living room and you've got yep. that beautifully curved unit with the texture in the slat i agree i think that's a great way of looking at it so what i want to do is just ask you one more question what do you think was your biggest takeaway from being on the block oh no i've got two questions so we'll mm-hmm. step back a bit did you make any friends did
0: i make any friends on the block i'd say yes at the time for sure i i don't think I've, we've made any friends that i pick up and call every week uh, and back then, I guess I've moved into state as well, which has made things tricky in general. But made friends, not necessarily how you might expect. A lot of people just think of the contestants. But yeah, I visited Melbourne a couple of years ago and was driving through. I wanted to show my partner where I used to live, and and he said to me, "That guy's staring at you. He's waving at you." And I'm thinking, "Oh gosh, a Ford Millenary van. Maybe they know the brand." And I look out the window and it was the crew the film crew and the sound crew from the block and they're waving at me and I was like oh my gosh and so one of the sound technicians was a wonderful I'll say ally he just was a really lovely support and strangely enough after he said hello and you know like oh it's great I got out of the car and it's great to see you I had a chat and then when I left he got a bit emotional he said I love you and I was like Oh, and there's nothing in it. There's nothing untoward yeah. about it at all. So yes, there were some really beautiful bonds. I think even with the audience as well, I think some people, if they were just buying the storyline, they might not like us. If they follow that, if they don't question what they're being fed in a way, mm-hmm. then that's that. It's just on the surface level. But then there was a portion of the viewers that go, there's something more to these people. There's something, a part of the story that might not be told. I think there was something special about the the viewers as well that would reach out to us and they could understand they made their own decisions if you know what i mean so they could actually see hang on we're being told that this design's not good or we're being told that this person is lazy or we're being told this but actually if i'm to judge it for myself there was also that bond with those viewers that were able to make form their own opinion and yeah and with some contestants as well we there were definitely we're competing against them and everyone is underslept and absolutely sleep deprived there was blues with everyone had a blue with everyone including themselves but then there were also friendships with each of the contestants in different ways as well even Keith
1: (laughs) I was going to say is he really the pain he comes across as
0: I haven't seen him for a long time but I would say oh yeah the problems he causes you are real if they could choose for anyone to have the most amount of problems served to them by Keith, we were the chosen ones. They were always looking to, if there was an opportunity to cause problems for us, they'd definitely take it. So Keith and I would butt heads, but at the same time off camera, I think Keith and I had a really nice bond as well. So it was a very genuine, yeah. which was very real but there was also a very genuine stirring of each other so yeah I personally got along with Keith but if he has a problem with you off camera as well as on camera it's dead set real
1: and so I can imagine if I was in that situation with Stephen we would be ready to slaughter one another how did you did it put pressure on your relationship
0: 100% it's yeah.
1: really difficult you're seeing you're pushed to
0: not to your limit you're pushed kilometers and kilometers beyond your limit. In a normal scenario in life, you would have somebody, you generally don't go through that with somebody. Usually your closest person is the one to, they might be able to offer some support. And it's not the case there. You're both being, I'll say being slaughtered, I'm not saying poor ass, but you're both running a 500 marathons in, not in a row at the same time, deliberately being sleep deprived and being prodded it's designed to make you snap because everybody getting along and being all chirpy is not good tv it's very boring and that definitely puts a strain on your relationship and then as well seeing other people attack your partner and trying to stand up for them while you're trying to just survive yourself that's a challenge and then they're, they're causing challenges for you it's all happening at the same time. It definitely puts a strain on a relationship for sure. It's designed to put a strain on relationships and um, it fast tracks any cracks, turn into a big avalanche. (laughs) And tell me, what was your biggest takeaway? Would you do, given your time over again, would you do it again? It's funny, I've been asked that question a lot. In the seven years since the block, that question comes up a lot, if I would do it again. And my answer, even internally, when I think about it, changes every single time. I don't think I need to do it again for myself because I know that I have nothing more to give and nothing more to prove. I won it, so that's amazing. But also I pushed myself beyond what I ever thought that physically, mentally, emotionally, I could ever go. I can't push myself any further than that. There was no stone unturned and to this day, I have not faced a more difficult, there's been difficult things, but I just, I know that I can't push myself any further. So for that reason, I've challenged myself in that way. I conquered that challenge and I don't think I need to do it again. So in order to do it again, it would have to be, to be totally honest, a business strategy or a, maybe a challenge in terms of, I would definitely come about it differently. I understand now how it works in terms of how you cannot control how you might be portrayed so maybe I would do it for the 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 fun of renovating again and designing a space again I really do love that so I I might do it for that and each time is different I guess it's a wild ride I would not do it for the challenge again but maybe for the newness of a renovation who doesn't like renovating and if you can do it on somebody else's budget
1: great (laughs) there you go but maybe you should be doing your own block
0: yeah look that's I've been wanting to do that Since I walked off the block, I I remember my partner's parents at the time were like, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? Isn't that the last thing you want to do? But actually the timing didn't align. My partner and I were looking at houses to purchase and renovate. And then we parted ways. And then I was just finding my feet again. And then I met somebody and I moved into state and got the business up and running. And then my focus was that. So the timing just hasn't really... A line for me to do that for myself. But I really, I do love it. And it's just always biting at me. The love of interior design has not gone away at all. And renovating, I just love renovating.
1: <laughs> Listen, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. And I know that our renovators are just going to love this episode. <laughs> and the other thing I want to do is just say to anyone listening please go and have a look at Chantal's hats. I was absolutely amazed at what you've built. You've thank done, you. Your personality definitely does come through your style. So, we'll include the link in the show notes. And thank you. Thanks so much, Bernadette.
0: I really appreciate that. It's so lovely to meet you. And it's really nice to connect. Yeah. I love that you're the challenge that you're setting yourself as well. And I'm watching with a really keen eye. And you're actually motivating me as well, to Your recent challenge of doing a video every day. That's something I shy away from as well. I don't really like putting myself in the spotlight, believe it or not. Yeah, you're a great inspiration to other people too. So thank you.
1: Okay, so that's it for today. Now, if you haven't already done so, please come over to iTunes and leave us a review. Tell us what you thought about Chantel and her block renovating story. Give us any suggestions that you would like for future episodes. And we will be so grateful. We read them all and we are so appreciative of you making the effort. So thank you. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out com.